SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back here, everybody, to the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both sides as we take stock and kind of digest what happened in week two. Kev, there are a lot of things that I think changed a little bit about how teams played or how they looked, at least, with different matchups and different positional groups. And there are some things that did not change. And one of the things that did not change, Kev, is the Green Bay Packers are putting up points. They put up a ton of points in week one against Minnesota, and here they go again, 42-21. to They double up the Detroit Lions. Now, the Packers, Kev, are another team that are 2-0, but, you know, have two wins in the division like Buffalo, who we mentioned early on, and, mm-hmm. and they did it differently, right? We were talking about Aaron Rodgers carving them up in week one. He goes 18-30. of 30. 240 yards, a fine game for him, but Aaron Jones went berserk. 18 carries, 168 yards, two touchdowns, including like a 75-yard touchdown run. I think he even caught a touchdown as well. He was all over the place. Remember, this is a guy who led the NFL in touchdowns last year, right? With like 17, I believe. He gets another three today, but the bad news, Kev, is unfortunately they may need all the Aaron Jones they can get because Devontae Adams left this game with a hamstring injury. We've seen these soft mm-hmm. tissue injuries at the beginning of sports that are restarting with unique ramp ups. And uh, now count Devonte Adams as another person dealing with a hammy, but Aaron Jones doing his thing for green Bay. Yeah. Aaron Jones is a, a weak winner. A like that is what he does. Yeah. And he did it here again. But I will tell you this, Dane, I absolutely adored this game from a betting perspective. Because what did we say? We said, right, that the Detroit Lions were showing value on their number, that last year they played Green Bay tight, lost both times, yet covered both of those games. But we also said, and by the way, right, so at one point it was 14-3. So boy, did that look true. Boy, did that look smart. That we were like, yep, Detroit could have a shot here. But then what did we also say? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I will not trust Matt Patricia enough to get the job done. So I'm going to step away from the side in this game. The Packers rip off 31 unanswered. And we said we'd rather just play this game to go over the number. Because there should be enough offense here. And you get 63 total points. Not You're not going to be able to nail every game. But it is always nice to see a game almost unfold in every way where you felt like you had a really nice grasp of it. The Lions were the type of team that were tricky, could have been dangerous. Anybody out there with those Green Bay Packer teasers, money line parlays were like, oh, no. But then it got to a point where you're like, yeah, all right, Matt Patricia should be fired by week five. All right, fair enough. And listen, Green Bay Packers are 2-0, like I said, two division wins. So you would think they're in the catbird seat, right? But Kev... 
there's another 2-0 team in that division. And it is sure one, is. Kevin, that is a surprise. I, I hope you don't feel like I'm putting words in your mouth, but it is a surprise to both of us, especially well, because when we consider, no, come on, you were all under this. You no, 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 no. Wait a no, second. No, no, no. You thought no, no. Nick Foles would be the starting quarterback oh, for this team by now, Kevin. 1,000%. 1,000%. But you were like the Bears' biggest underbet on the board. Bottom five team, and I was like, I don't yeah. know. I had the Bears two and zero in those roster resets. I know that for a fact. Under Nick Foles, under Nick well, Foles, one hundred percent. But but I like them. So last then, let me ask you. And I would have thought they would have won this game as well. I'm so not let me ask you. In with this. Let me ask you, because, you know, the Giants actually get a backdoor cover. The Bears are one of those teams that win, but not cover 17 to 13. They get the job done. I got to ask you, though, Montgomery falls on his head. He comes back 16 carries, 82 yards. Allen Robinson was like, I want to get traded. Doesn't get traded. The Bears decide to, you know what? You're talking about a contract? Watch this. We'll give Tariq Cohen a three-year extension, right? But he still does more than Anthony Miller, who got a goose egg. I'm still trying to figure out how this team is 2-0. Remember, they get past Detroit, even though, you know, DeAndre Swift could have caught a ball in the end zone. They, they, They beat the Giants here, who we have to talk about is without one of the best running backs in the league. But, you know, you can't fault that. They stand here right now 2-0 under Mitchell Trubisky. They are, um, but it's also a 2-0 and that I don't feel super impressed by. Um, it's it's still not a 2-0 and where I think that, oh, yeah, this is definitively because Mitch Trubisky's under quarterback. He scored 17 points against the Giants defense, we all agree, is not good. And Allen Robinson specifically, um, look, man, I don't know, unless it's all Mitch's fault, three grabs for 33 yards? Last week, we saw Juju Smith, a number one wide receiver, score two touchdowns on this team and look excellent and do whatever he wanted. Yep. So as a number one receiver in Allen Robinson, I'm going to need to see more, man. I'm going to need to see more. Now, going out there and paying Tariq Cohen as opposed to Allen Robinson, I mean, that was an outrageous move. That was an outrageous <laughs> move. And I basically, if I'm Allen Robinson, probably would have held out of the game uh, if I see that happen. But apparently, they're moving closer. Okay, fine. Uh, this is a Bears team, look, that's 2-0. and but you want to talk about buy or sell? Sell. They play the Falcons next week. Sell. The Falcons will score points. We know that. The question is, can the Bears keep up with that level of offense? We also have to make a point. We talked about it at the lead here. Uh, Giants running back Saquon Barkley. It looks like down with an ACL. That kneecaps the Giants' chances, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a group with a lot of offensive firepower, but it doesn't ever seem to be out there for a full game. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It looks like Sterling Shepard also is dealing with, I believe, a toe injury in this one as well. So it is not good for the Giants. We wait word on Saquon, but unfortunately, they fear the worst. When we come back, we've got more games to discuss here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Pharrell. Coast to coast. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked tremendous. He was awesome. Uh, Very explosive. Remember when you look at this player. He's a guy who's very quick and fast, though he did run a good footy time at the combine. 
The Chiefs ignored that 40 times. They made him their guy at running back, and he had a great game. The only thing that was disappointing, though, only two pass targets, zero catches. He's a smaller back at just over 5'7". Pass protection, Scott, is it? The Sports Grid Network. Line up, ladies! The early line. Kev, a lot of people now have dead money in the U.S. Open on the tennis side because the number one player in the world, the number one seed, Novak Djokovic, is gone. He was disqualified, Kev, because I guess, you know, a point didn't go his way, took the ball, smacked it towards the back, and it hit the lines, Judge, Kev, and it hit the woman in the throat, Kev. The Sports Grid Network. Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here on Sports Grid to the early line, giving you the edge. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh looking back at what we saw in week two on Sunday in the NFL, trying to make meaning of it, right? And I think that's what we're doing here early in the season, Kev. What are the things that we can make meaning of? What are the things that may be one-week anomalies or are based on the matchup? And as we look to another game here, and I'm talking about Tampa Bay over Carolina, 31-17 to in an NFC South tilt i think there's a couple of things here that are emerging for me that are real and it may surprise you but i'm going to start on the carolina side if you like prop bets kev and if you like game flow i think the carolina panthers are going to be dependable why because they have a very young defense okay they are going to be scored on a lot we saw the raiders come in in week one score 30 on them Tampa come in and score 30 on them. And what that does is also open up an opportunity the other way for things like garbage time production, things like Teddy Bridgewater putting the ball up over 40 times, which he did with 367 yards. I think this is going to be a familiar game script for the Carolina Panthers that you can kind of leverage in a number of ways. The problem for Carolina, though, Kev, may be the fact that Christian McCaffrey went down late mm-hmm. in this game, so it's not talked about as much as, say, Saquon or Devontae Adams, but he went down, didn't return. Mike Davis was in there in the last drives, and they're saying they got to look at him. So we got to wait on reports now for the number one overall pick in fantasy as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see and make this point with the Panthers, though a lot of people saying I want to play over uh, in Panthers games. I think depending on when you got this number might depend mm. on how successful you are with that bet. But I know this, twice now the team total for their opponent has gone over the number. And if you're looking to pick on the Panthers' defense, I don't know why you would bring the Panthers' offense into the mix. So keep that in mind moving forward with the Panthers right now. Yes, it was a garbage time touchdown that they really didn't uh, weren't looking for the Bucks that got yeah, them over that. it. But a win is a win is a win, and the Bucks go over their team total. So that's now two ice that the Panthers have given up thirty plus. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it kind of reminds me of Tampa last year, Kev. Does that analogy hold for you, right? Because the Tampa defense continued to give up so much. And then Jameis Winston last year was, you know, throwing for over 5,000 yards and having to come back the other way. That's why I mentioned Teddy Bridgewater and Profit. CMC is dealing with an ankle. We will talk about that throughout the week as we continue to get updates. It doesn't seem 
as serious as some of these other ones, but we will keep an eye out on that. I got to ask you about Tampa, specifically Leonard Fournette. Has he now leapfrogged Ronald Jones? We play the game all the time, Kev. Lead dog, timeshare, committee. If I had to ask you that about the Tampa Bay backfield again now with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, and I guess, you know, LaShawn McCoy in the past mm-hmm. game, right? He caught five balls out of the backfield. What do you think this looks like going forward, or do we still not have enough information to have a definitive answer? Yeah, it's a weird spot. Um, Leonard Fournette was plus 380 uh, to score a touchdown. I talked to you a little bit before we came on air about there was a number of bets that I had in the queue that ultimately got removed from the queue. And that was one of them, which was pretty frustrating. But I don't leave this game with overwhelming confidence in any of these backs. Rojo was a part of a fumble with Tom Brady, so it maybe Fournette got some more work because of that. LaShawn McCoy is getting seven targets. I don't uh, believe that whether it comes to DFS, props, market, and the like, uh, there's going to have to be real value out there. It, this isn't get you know a confidence rating out of 10 on any of these backs. Right. If you had to start one of them next week in a fantasy lineup, who would it be? Probably Fournette. Because he has the ability to do what he did at the end of the game. He has the ability to go 50 to the house. That is true. And remember, Tampa was not in this game script last week, right? They were down to New Orleans. And that's part of what I think is important, right? Um, Being able to use different parts of the playbook than what we saw. And now we see what happens when Tampa is up big. I agree with you. I think Fournette is the back to own. And I think that the gap between him and Rojo may just grow week to week. Remember, he's only been on this roster for about, what, two and a half weeks so far. So I do think there's the potential for that to grow. Another team I want to talk about in the NFC South is the Atlanta Falcons because it looks like they will be able to put up points, you know, at will as well. But it also looks like they ain't stopping anybody as the Dallas Cowboys come all the way back. Kev, at one point, they had a 2% kind of win probability, but it'll be music to our producer's ears, Venmo Brian, that they came on back, got an onside kick, got Legatron with the 45-yard field goal as a 46-yard field goal as time expires. Let me tell you something. Dak threw for 450 and then ran for three touchdowns, becoming the first player in NFL history to do that. And now the Falcons, you know, we talk about Kyle Shanahan like in the Super Bowl and whatnot blowing leads, but the Falcons, they have blown a ton of leads. What is your big takeaway from this game? Dan Quinn should be fired. What is this, What is he bringing to the table? What is he bringing to the table? He's a defensive head coach. They can't stop anybody. They've given up 40-plus now consecutive weeks. There's no reason for him to continue to be the coach of this team. He's not bringing anything to the table. Last year, when the Falcons turned around the defense, they believed it was because they had turned over the defensive play calling to the D.C. as opposed to him. He brings absolutely nothing to the table. Two takeaways from this game, though. First of all, on the prop side, Ezekiel Elliott is inevitable. Ezekiel Elliott goes over his rushing yard prop and scores a touchdown. In a game where Dak took three one-yard touchdowns away from him. Vultured him. In a game where he gets 22 carries, where it was a negative game script for him the whole time. Ezekiel is inevitable and is the most trustworthy player in maybe all of football when it comes to a production standpoint. My second takeaway from you, though, as the Dallas Cowboys win this game and don't cover. And it's kind of a, 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 a double up, if you will. They should have won this game. Everything that I had said about Dallas oh, yeah. all week was right. 
They fumbled three out of four consecutive possessions with the in-between possession that wasn't a fumble being a turnover on downs where they went for an aggressive fake punt that, by the way, again, Mike McCarthy's going to get ripped for a play call. Worked. Bad throw. Guy slipped on the route. The Cowboys should have absolutely obliterated the Atlanta Falcons and had not been for fumbles, which are absolutely fluky, okay, outside of Daniel Jones, they would have done just that. The other thing I will tell you is, Dane, you have to know what kind of better you are. And ultimately, I am someone that prefers to bet at about noon on Sunday. I always always use the phrase paying for information. I like to wait up until the last, until I feel comfortable. Because there are always things that can happen, especially, man, when you're betting, you know, 14 games on a Sunday, big card, whatever it might be. You just start to get feels. You start to get vibes for games. And this was a Cowboys game that I bet early at minus four because I said, that's not going to be there. This, this number has to climb back up. But as Tyron Smith gets ruled out and people start believing in Atlanta, at one point I saw two and a half. And it was frustrating for me because it would have been enough to get me off of the side. And again, I say this with the hindsight of knowing that this Cowboys team should have won this game by 15 points. But it was one of those things where it was a lesson to, it was a lesson learned slash my thought process reconfirmed. And again, it's to each his own. There are people out there with week three bets in their pockets, and they know for a right. fact that they're going to beat the closing number. And that's a way that people can make money. You have to know what kind of better you are. And I got a little bit of, in front of my skis this week trying to <laughs> beat numbers that I didn't beat at all. Yeah, uh, sometimes you almost over-engineer it, right, uh, in, the, in the approach. But I hear you, Kev. And listen, I like the word you used, the inevitability of Ezekiel Elliott. And, and here's the thing, Kev, and this goes back to one of my thesi of the season. There are very few running backs anymore that you can make that statement about, Kevin, right? There's one that resides in Dallas. The ones that resided in New York and Carolina got hurt. You know what I mean? There's one in Tennessee, right? But there's mm -hmm. very few other ones. And we made that point coming in. I think you're right. The inevitability. That's a great word, right? Because it don't matter the game script. They were down in this game. Zeke is still going to get the ball, right? I talked to you about other players, how they may not be on the field in certain other situations. We'll talk about that when we get to Kansas City, right? But Zeke is there no matter what, getting his touches. It is, I like the word you use, and inevitability that Zeke Elliott will be a big piece of this offense. When we come back, we got to talk about this with a couple of other AFC teams, right? We talk about it with Kansas City, who is in a very different game script than week one. And we got to talk about it, Kev, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, because everybody thought they were going to change their approach to the running back room. Yeah, they didn't. We'll talk about it when we come back on the other side. Early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Right here on to the early line, including our radio audience from around the country, the West Coast out there with the Mightier 1090. Thanks for waking up early with us here on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, the next games we want to talk about, I think, are interesting contexts, right, for why, you know, we don't, we don't go crazy with week one. 
Okay, week one, the Pittsburgh Steelers had Benny Snell running for over 100 yards, and people were like, you know what? Leave James Conner in the doghouse. He's Mr. Glass. If, if, if the Steelers know anything, if Mike Tomlin is worth his salt, he's going to share the workload. Benny Snell has earned it. It's supposed to be a timeshare. And, you know, I and some other people were saying, listen, this is what the Steelers do. They may go right back to James Conner as a bell cow, and Conner does have 16 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown. He had a big one late. But what's more important to me is, you know, in the third quarter of this game, even in the fourth quarter, there was a time when James Conner had 15 carries and Benny Snell had one. I think it answers the question, at least for now, that they still believe in a bell cow, and his name is James Conner. Yeah, what's important to me, though, is the almighty Pittsburgh Steelers defense that absolutely will never be scored on again. Jeff Driscoll had them on the ropes. Yes, James Conner came back, did his thing. You mentioned it. You weren't surprised by it. You had said cautious with everybody had that at Benny Snell at the top of their waivers. But for me, I remain interested in what we're doing here with this Pittsburgh Steelers team. They have this ability to let you down, man. They knocked Drew Locke out of the game. And Jeff sure Driscoll's got a chance to win it at the gun in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you. I had Pittsburgh in my survivor pools a lot, and I felt real comfortable for a while. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, Denver's got the ball back. Oh, Denver scored again. Oh, it's only five <laughs> out there, mm-hmm. right? But I will say this, though. I We talked about, like, what's real and what, what can you hang your hat on, right, for week one. And the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense, I felt, was flying around Monday Night Football last week um, against New York. They did sack Denver quarterback seven times, Kev, right? You're yeah. right. They let them back in. But I am comfortable saying that this Pittsburgh front, this Pittsburgh defense, I, I think they're for real, Kev. I really do. Oh, look, it's a real good defense. It's a real good defense. I'm talking about the totality of this team. Because we're about to talk okay. about the two teams that sit atop, right? right? I believe to be their own tier. And I believe that there's okay. a lot of people that want to push this Steelers team up. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know. Jeff Driscoll, chance to win it. That don't work for yeah. me. That don't work I hear for me. you. Right, so let me ask you this. Would you accept a slightly different uh, tiers? What if I still say Kansas City and Baltimore are the tier, right, in the mm-hmm. AFC? What if, though, I am comfortable putting Pittsburgh in the same tier as, like, a Tennessee or a Buffalo? Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah. No, that's where they belong. Okay. All right, so I think when then you and I are on the same page, right? Because mm-hmm. I see I see Kansas City, I see Baltimore still as a cut above, but I do mm-hmm. then still see, and I'll put Buffalo, I'll put Tennessee, and yes, Kev, I will put Pittsburgh in that group that I believe is kind of like the next tier. I believe those three teams like will be playoff New teams, England will as well. win. Okay, sure, but they're one and uh, they're two, they're one and one right now, right? Um, sure. So I'm talking about kind of the two and O teams, but yeah, sure. New England, okay. quality wise, I can see as the second tier, like playoff caliber team. That's what I'll call them, right? The definite playoff caliber teams, and I think Pittsburgh deserves to be in there. Uh, on the Denver side, let's talk real quick though. Drew Locke 
gets banged out of this one. Yeah. You mentioned Jeff, Dr- Jeff Driscoll, who had a chance at the end. And, you know, love to Jeff Driscoll for making that happen. Where do the Broncos go from here, though, Kev? Because, you know, Cortland Sutton banged up. Jerry Judy got banged up a little bit in this game. And, you know, their starting second-year quarterback, who they shoved all in with this year. Mm-hmm. Where they go was Denver. And they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they're getting six points at home. And I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of people that like the Broncos. And I am here to tell you, almost a week away, I like the Bucs. I like the Bucs mm. a lot. I think the Bucs are going to beat up on Denver next week. And I think we're going to hear a lot about how Carolina was right there. Should have probably covered that number. That the Bucs have been unimpressive, really, for their two games. That the Broncos fight. That they're 2-0 ATS. That it's hard to win in Denver. And I think the Bucs will win next week going away. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I do want to see a lot of stuff here on the Denver side in terms of the injuries, the wide receivers. And, of course, you know, if Drew and Lock or do, Jeff Driscoll is playing, right, for sure. You know, so we will continue to keep our eye out on that. Another game that I thought was interesting on so many levels, Kevin, is the, the most City levels. The most levels. So many levels. There are so many conversation threads we can have about this game, Kev. And we know what all of them are. We knew what all of them were when this game. I'm going to save the one I want to for last. Let's start first with Justin Herbert. Okay. Terod Taylor has a chest injury pregame. Out of nowhere, Justin Herbert is the starter. And Kevin... He looked like a representative NFL quarterback that was aggressive, that made this Chargers offense look more dynamic. The kid Joshua Kelly is a real thing as a rookie in this backfield as well with Austin Eckler. All of a sudden, we're throwing the ball to Hunter Henry. All of a sudden, Keenan Allen is getting fed. All of a sudden, we're taking shots of Mike Williams down the field. And Justin Herbert is running for touchdowns. This is a different Chargers offense. And I got to say, Kev, maybe you think I'm crazy, but the Chargers defense once again proved that they were strong. I mean, they had Joe Burrow running for his life in week one. They hold the Kansas City Chiefs to 20 points in regulation. No easy feat. Talk to me first about the Chargers side of this one, even though ultimately they lose their home opener and christen the new stadium. They lose to Kansas City 23-20 in overtime. Yeah, I mean, this was outrageous. Like, I was on in game live and I was alongside Holden Kushner. I was like, hey, man, like, why is this, like, what you seem like on tilt about all this? I go, I, I go, I feel like this isn't landing for you. We just had the Chargers offense get sent out onto the field and all of the biggest reporters in the world went, hey, Justin Herbert's in. None of us knew anything. That's not a thing that happens. That's just right. not a thing that ever happens. And he went out there and was great. And they were the better team for most of this game. He threw 300 was. yards. Ty Robbins was good. awful last week. I hated everything I saw from them. That was double confirmed on Thursday night when that Bengals defense was ripped apart by the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I look at this team right now. If you have Keenan Allen in fantasy leagues, pray that Tyrod goes away. If you don't have right. Keenan Allen fantasy leagues, try and attack those Keenan Allen uh, drafters. Hunter so Henry as well. On. We said this, right? That Tyrod Taylor was going to start 16 games. That was our expectation. We've now played two weeks, and I don't think he should start another game. And I don't think that's an overreaction. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know. Like, the Chiefs certainly didn't have time to prepare for Herbert, but I don't know how much it matters, right? I'll also say this. We're talking about guys that are on the radar. Kev, you have to consider Josh Kelly, the rookie out of UCLA, as someone that people need to know. 23 carries in this one, and it looks like him and Austin Eckler are really forming that prototypical thunder and lightning combination. We got to keep an eye. Anthony Lynn has already said that if Terod is 100%, He's kind of going back to him. I'm with you, Kev. I disagree. I think the kids showed enough to, like, let him out there and let him learn on the job. We will see. We now have to also talk, though, about the Kansas City Chiefs side of this. And and I want to ask you something here, Kev. Remember how we talked about Tennessee, right, with the bad game for Henry and what it allowed uh, Tannehill to do? You know this. We have talked about this as it relates to the Chiefs offense and the Chiefs balance as well. I think you're on in-game live at the time, so I don't know if you hear the telecast. But Tony Mm -hmm. Romo, Kev, on the telecast reiterated a point I made to you last week. He said the Houston Texans just played two high safeties all game long. And so that is part of why the stat line happened from last week, both on the side of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire getting 25 carries and Patty Mahomes throwing for like 200. 111 yards in this one patty mahomes puts it up 47 times for 302 yards making some incredible plays but then the balance and the counterbalance also happens in this one clyde edwards hilaire 10 carries 38 yards a far cry from what he did in week one and then even with darrell williams going out darwin thompson on the field and others in those situations talk to me about Kansas City, because I'm saying the same thing I said to you before. I like this Kansas City offense. I like the player. And again, it could be what the defense does against them, this left-handed, right-handed. Is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire an amazing, I don't know, left hand? Yes. But in some games, they're not going to use the left hand as much. What did you think about this Kansas City offense? Yeah, strongly disagree with both you and Tony Romo. This had nothing to do with two high safeties. This had nothing to do with the Chargers showing up there and saying, we must stop Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The Chiefs came out and looked terrible. The layoff evidently hurt them. They looked slow. They looked sloppy. Maybe they saw Justin Herbert come out and went, ah, whatever. Maybe they bought into their own hype after being the Super Bowl champions who ran the Texans out of the building last week and on every single possession looked absolutely unstoppable. Two high safety, I don't care. It's about game script. The Kansas City Chiefs played from behind the entire game. And that's why Pat Mahomes threw the ball ball 47 times. And we said this. Which game script do you think is more likely? Them being behind the whole time or them playing in front? And we've also talked about, because you were telling me last week, well, it has to do with the percentages, right? Well, he had 10 carries. The next closest back had four. Oh, and then, by the way, the passing work came in. He had eight targets. The next closest back had one. He's the guy comfortably in this backfield. Go check the snap counts when you get a chance uh, about the the guy. Underline, underline. What does it matter if everybody's on the field, they give him the ball? What does that matter? Kevin, Kevin, 10 of 38 on the ground. Guy. You were saying the after week one that he guy. was going to get all these touches all the time. And then they and played I from behind said, the whole time. And again, that they were yes. half-point favorites. Yes. And, and I told you that game script and how the defense plays you will matter. And it came into pass again today. We'll see what happens with Baltimore when we come back. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh putting the fun and functional sports content. Kev, we have a game left to discuss that happened yesterday and a game left to discuss that happens tonight. So let's get on into it. The Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, here's the thing. We talk about, like, the Ravens and the Chiefs. Right. And if they're a cut above, they're going to take care of business. It don't matter where they go. They can play the game on the damn moon for all I care. Right. Well, um, the Chiefs got the win. On the road, in the division, took overtime against the rookie quarterback, but they got the win. I'll say this, though. The Baltimore Ravens didn't have to play with any of that other stuff, right, against um, Deshaun Watson on the road. They still get the job done, 33-16. to And, Kev, like, how are we going to figure this team out? Like, how are you going to stop this team? You know, I mean, we talk about the teams that are multiple, right? Have the left hand and the right hand. Tennessee, what Tannehill was able to do if Derrick Henry, right? The Seattle Seahawks, right? That Russell can cook if they want. The Patriots that, you know, Cam is this element. The Chiefs, right? Like Patty Mahomes can go off and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is an amazing running back with value for them as well. With Baltimore, Kev, what's the left hand? You know, what are you trying to do against these Baltimore Ravens? Because I got to tell you something, you know, on the passing game, you know, Mark Andrews, not a huge day, you know, a lot of their wide receivers not going off, but they run for over 200 yards. Gus Edwards, 70 some odd yards. Ingram, touchdown over 50. Lamar, a piece of this. J.K. Dobbins continues to look good in his work as well. You know, I'm putting you in the position of if you're a defensive coordinator against Tennessee, and you said that you'd let Derrick Henry do his thing, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do if you're playing Baltimore? Pray? <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, the Texans played a good defensive game. Like, they, they did. First of all, they gave up a defensive touchdown. So you can take seven points off from that side. So that brings us down to 26. Sure. Bill O'Brien, and this is what happens a lot of times when you kind of get on tilt a little bit. Aggressive play calling. I, I believe in aggressive play calling. But ultimately, everything is situational, right? Whether Mike McCarthy kicks a field goal, whether or not you go for it on fourth and one at the 50, these things can always be situational, right? But Bill O'Brien coming out in a game that is 3-0, where his defense looks good, and going for it fourth and one on his own 34-yard line, side of the field. it just shows he, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's out of his depth when it comes to these aggressive play calls. And it's a turnover on downs, and it's a quick six there for Baltimore. So that would have been at least three points with Justin Tucker. So I think you can put 10 points on the offense, right? Well, that's then 20 from Baltimore. Now, again, it's a game that they were comfortably leading in. They didn't have right. to be uber-aggressive. And they play differently in the fourth quarter right. if it's different. Exactly. Right. A defensive touchdown pulls away a possession from them. But this is again, like, this is what? So, this is a bad offensive game for this team, is basically what I'm saying. Like, they just, they're doing whatever they want on that side of the ball. 
They are. I will say this about the Ravens. Next week is massive for them, obviously, as the Chiefs and the Ravens are meant to be the top of this um, right. the top of this conference, with there only being one bye. Like, there's a world where the bye in the yeah. AFC is decided week three of the season. The tiebreaker, but, whoever wins next week, yeah. Baltimore, very much so, will run into Milwaukee Bucks comparisons throughout the year. You will hear this. Right? Lamar will be Giannis, and the Ravens will be the Bucks, And we will say, can this team get it done in the postseason? And does their style of play work as much when the calendar turns yeah. to January? But in the meantime, they're going to beat up on a bunch of teams the same way the Milwaukee Bucks did, because they have a chip on their shoulder because of the way that they fell short last season. Yeah, no, I hear you. And remember, we talk about this left hand and the right hand, right? The question with Baltimore will be, how good is the right hand? That right hand being the passing game of Lamar Jackson. Can he hit the open receivers and deliver from the pocket and all that? That will be, I guess, the way they play it. Let me ask you, I want to push you on one thing, you know, because it's, it's very easy to, to pile on Bill O'Brien, right? And don't get me wrong, I got, it's not like I want to defend the man. But you just talked about how you got to pray against the Ravens' offense, right? right? They can't be stopped. And so if that is, if that's true, and I don't disagree with that part, don't you have to kind of throw caution to the wind and be extra aggressive and do things like go for it on fourth down from the own side of your field if you believe you have to, like, keep pace with Baltimore and you can't, like, give up any possessions? But th this is the thing. It was 3 nothing. Your your defense had looked good. It was the first quarter. Like, okay. and... This is the thing, right? There's a 16-yard difference from where he punted against the Chiefs and where he went from it against the Ravens. And again, this is why I say things are situational, right? Let's just say the Ravens pick up zero yards on that drive. 51-yard field goal for Justin Tucker. Do you know what I mean? So I just think that these are the kind of things here where it's sometimes not always about It's about can the guys push the right buttons. That's what I said about Mike McCarthy at the, at the end of week one. I said, Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy, this isn't about aggressive versus not aggressive. This is about guys not being able to hit the right buttons with these teams. And Mike McCarthy is lucky to have run up against Dan Quinn last week, the only coach possible in football that could have lost that game. They became the first team in the history of the NFL to score 39 points, not turn the ball over, and lose a game. It was 444-0 before that. So I, and I, I feel the same way with Bill O'Brien. He's not hitting the right buttons. And I don't know, by the way, if we're just going to quickly talk about this team, I don't know what just happened with Will Fuller. I believe I saw he played 63% of the snaps. No targets. Yeah. It was a lot of Brandon Cooks, you know, um, in this one. I do think that is interesting. We'll see if he was taken away like Jimmy Smith takes him away or something like that. If he was a focus area, you know, you talk about pushing the right buttons. I guess, you know, doing a fake punt up 24 nothing in Arrowhead in the playoffs is also not the right button to push on fourth down. You know, what I do, I will say this, though, Kev, you know, sometimes, you know, that idea of like we give the benefit of the doubt to some coaches, some organizations, and not to others. Um, I'm not saying I disagree with you, right? But I think Bill O'Brien and the Texans are now in that spot, right, where we're looking for reasons to nail them. Uh, if this was like Belichick that did that, I wonder if he would feel the same way about it. But you are right. It was a, um, it was a questionable call, and it didn't come up the right way for them. I do want to move to Monday Night Football, Kev, because, you know, yep. we're doing this frame here of, like, there's going to be – 
2-0 teams, right? And a team that starts off 2-0 has a much better chance of qualifying for the playoffs. Well, at the end of tonight's action, there's going to be another 2-0 team that will join the fray because we got two teams that won last week matching up against each other. They opened the new stadium in the desert in Vegas. The Las Vegas Raiders play their first home game as Las Vegas, and they welcome in Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints to this one. At last check here, we got five and a half as the line 48 and a half as the total in this one how do you see this one breaking out i mean the raiders look good against the carolina panthers offense in week one but i think these saints are a little bit of a different story defensively what do you say here yeah man i mean look they're obviously much better defensively because the panthers might be the worst defensive team in all of football so that in of itself is going to be a monster difference here for what the Raiders are seeing. Hard to know what this is going to be like in this debut, just the atmosphere or lack thereof, because like these guys are still welcoming in the Vegas stadium. I just it, it, It's a little bit off-putting. But this is a game that I, I find myself going back and forth with uh, a lot in terms of you know when we're talking about a side here. Uh, when I, I remember when this game had come out, I remember when... Uh, we did roster resets, and I'm like, God, oh, that's just such a classic, oh, yeah. dangerous Raiders game, isn't it? Right? Yeah. It and is. I totally understand taking the points with this team. And, and look, who knows, man? With what we've seen this week, there's a world where you know the Saints can win this game and, and not cover five and a half. What we've seen right. from this week, the way favorites have been winning, you know, maybe you just risk the two thirty-five on New Orleans. Maybe a sure. dog is due to win a game, right? And so. I feel like you could make a convincing argument for any mm -hmm. direction when it comes to a side here, especially because we only have a one-week sample size from these two teams. Sure. And I think this game might be one I'm significantly more comfortable playing in the props market in. Okay, let's talk about that because I am with you. If anything, I lean with the points in Vegas. I believe it is five and a half. You, you know, you like to talk to me about like specific scores, right? That fit that yeah. and that fit a total. I could see a 27 23 kind of Saints win. I could see a 24 21 kind of game. I think the game could be in the 20s. And the point total of this game would suggest that also. But you want to talk about the prop market. And the place I want to go here is how do we get leverage off of the Michael Thomas? injury okay mm. we know michael thomas will not be here in this one okay kev i saw the carolina panthers and teddy bridgewater throw successfully right and put up 30 points and stay in the game um against this raiders defense last week i do not believe the raiders pass defense is something that scares drew Brees and sean payton okay i think drew Brees will be able to be just fine my question for you is, with no Michael Thomas, where yeah. does it go, Kev? Because Manny Sanders, 56 and a half yards as a receiving prop. Jared Cook, 52 and a half yards as a receiving prop. And those are the highest guys listed. I mean, here's my, here's my, uh, my hypothesis. I could be crazy and feel free to challenge me on it. The leading wide receiver for the Saints tonight is going to have more than 60 yards, Kevin, right? So, like, if it's Sanders, if it's Cook, that is above the number. Drew Brees is going to throw, right? Someone's going to give up, get above that. My question for you is, who do you like today to absorb some of that Michael Thomas production? Because if you find the right guy, I'm all over their prop bet tonight, Kev. 
You know, the funny thing is, the Saints had a very under-the-radar, ugly offensive game, I feel like, in Week 1. I, they put up 34 points, but there was a pick six in that, so that belongs mm-hmm. to the defense. 27. Look, 27 is nothing to sneeze at, but it you go through the box score. Drew Brees, right? Mr. Completion percentage, 18 of 30 for a buck 60. That's not, it's not good. Michael Thomas had five targets, three catches, 17 yards. So on average, right, Dane, you would say to yourself, 100 yards, 12 targets, and eight grabs just opened up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we saw in week one, now again, not, not every week is going to be the same, but that just, it just wasn't the case. Jared Cook was good, okay, five grabs for 80 yards. Alvin Kamara's receiving total was saved by a 38-yard right. trick play that this team ran at the end that Taysom Hill threw to him. Manny right. Sanders got in the end zone, but he only had three catches for 15 yards. I think that it's very possible that Cook, Kamara, Manny Sanders, Trey Swift, I mean, all of them get over their yards prop. But I don't know if I leave week one with a good feel for what this passing attack is going to look like. I think that's fair. I would say this, though. I think the Raiders' pass defense is not as strong as what we see evolving under Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay with some of their draft picks and some of what they have. So I might express more in the tank. What do you think about this Raiders' side real quick? I mean, is Josh Jacobs becoming in that category of inevitability for you? I mean, we know he's inevitable, you would think, I guess, maybe in the sense of his work, because they do truly, you would think, want him to be the guy. But it's just, and this is why I talk about this being such a tough game, because there's a world where the Saints blow him out, and you could see it, and you could buy it, and we then, you know, start to wonder, what does that mean for Josh Jacobs? That was a game that they led a lot of last week. They were in a good spot. So he's able to get up to 25 carries, though more involved in the passing game. And that could be an interesting spot here if Josh Jacobs is really going to be involved that way. Yep, his rushing prop right now is 69 and a half. Remember, he had three touchdowns last week. We'll uh, end this episode coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's the DRE out there on the West Coast, out there uh, with Los Angeles, where the Lakers, who are in the bubble, are still getting it done. We've been talking about football all show long, Kev, but we do have to discuss the NBA playoffs move along. And the Western Conference Finals are now 2-0 Los Angeles after a 105-103 win. But it didn't come easy, Kev. They needed Anthony Davis at the buzzer to drill a three, which happened. And now the Lakers are up 2-0 in the West. Western Conference Finals. Everything takes a pause here for football and Monday night football. But when it comes back, the Lakers are in the driver's seat up to nothing in the Western Conference. Uh, what a uh, what a tough punch for Denver, man. Game one, blown out. Very, very, very similar, it feels like, to what we saw when they played the Clippers in the sense that fourth quarter, no Jokic, no Murray minutes. Mike Malone once again being like, fine, you know what, that's your game. We'll get him next go around. The Lakers then... Looked like they were in control 
for a good portion of this game. Denver goes yep. on another one of those runs. Down the stretch, they had a 9-0 run. They looked excellent. They took this lead multiple times. Anthony Davis, though, responding multiple times. And this is one of the things about this team that has been so interesting. LeBron James's final stat line, 26 points, 11 boards, 4 assists, 50% from the field. And you say to yourself, that's a good game, man. There's nothing to complain about there. He was terrible in the second half. He had 20 points in the first half. He, he carried the load in that first half. But there's a reason why he finished with a justified minus nine. But what's been so incredible about this Lakers team is we spent all season long having people say, well, who's going to step up next to LeBron and AD? Hey, who cares? It doesn't matter because apparently they just each need to step up in a half. Anthony Davis with the finishing touches. You said the game-winning three, 31 points, was a plus eight for this game. It always sounds disrespectful to say a team is going to go down 4-0. But right now, the Denver Nuggets spirits cannot be high. That's true, but at the same time, they probably weren't that high when they were down 3-1 in the last two series, and they somehow found a way back, right? Like, Denver continues to make runs. On the other side out east, Miami continues to make runs no matter how far down they are, and we'll talk about the NBA some more tomorrow. The Western Conference Finals picks back up, and then Wednesday, Boston and Miami will renew their hostilities as well as we try to crown a Larry O'Brien Trophy winner. That'll do it for this episode of The Early Line. Keep it locked sports grid the morning is after up next kevin and i'll be back tomorrow right here on the early line have a great day everybody sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com